Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Way Out podcast featuring Joshua Ezzi and myself, Jeff Francis. We're uh, very excited to see you all this evening. And uh, we're excited for our topics and everything we're going to be getting into. But first of all, you know, Ezzy, how have you been doing this week, my friend? Man, been pretty good, man. Uh, life has been full. Um, just being an uncle, um, being a husband, all that good stuff, man. But that's that's the joy of being a family, man. It's just joy. Um, but but everything's good, man. All is well. How about you, brother? Uh, good. I mean, that's good to have nieces and nephews because it's like a dress rehearsal for parenting. So yeah, you kind of get a... <laughs> I taste I guess, for what's going on. God, give me some hands-on training, man, which is good because I'm looking forward yeah, exactly. to parenting, man. But it's, it's definitely, and he gave me access to teenagers. So now, yeah. uh, man, I got a teenager and a nine-year-old, two teenagers and nine-year-old as far as niece and nephew. So it's a, it's definitely a, it's definitely a great process. It's definitely a joy. But yeah, it's definitely the, good is, the good thing is whenever you have kids, because you're growing with them, it's so much easier. You don't jump from, you know, baby to teenager overnight and it helps to be able to kind of take it in stride. But anyway, so uh, for those of you who were not with us last time, Josh and I have essentially four segments that we kind of uh, divide up into this podcast. The first one is day in the life of a family man. And then we get into our topic for the evening. Uh, After that, we always do a Q and a, and then we always finish with food. Cause as you both know, Josh and I are huge uh, foodies. And so, um, yeah, big time. And so um, we're excited to do that. But so the the first part, and you guys can begin to send in questions now and say hello and everything while we're waiting. If if you have not subscribed, please hit the subscribe button below so that you can get a reminder for whenever we come on. Because this year we're doing every other uh, Tuesday, right, Ezzy? Yeah. But then next year we're going to start doing every Tuesday. Or, or at least once a week, depending on the day. I think we'll still do Tuesdays. But for now, we'll do uh, today. And then our next one, the last one of the year, will be on the 22nd of December. Yeah. So, so, all right, awesome. So, so what we're first going to do, like we said, we're going to do a day in the life of a family man. And our subject for that this evening is going to be talking about taking inventory. So what do I mean by that? As a leader in your house, God puts the responsibility on you to be able to take the inventory or see what's going on mentally, spiritually, financially in every area of your wife and your children's lives, if you have children, and to really be able to assess and be sensitive to the needs that they have and what they're going through. Now, that doesn't mean you're going to be able to fulfill them spiritually, but what you are going to be doing is set an example in the spirit. You're going to be setting an example spiritually by leading them in Bible study, by teaching them the word of God. But also when we take inventory, we really need to learn to be sensitive to the areas that each individual is dealing with. For instance, you know, I have two sons and because they're such different age group, you know, one is eight and the other one's 12, which is a big gap, you know, between the two ones, middle school, one's elementary. What one person's going through is a little bit different than another person's going through. And as a father, I have to be sensitive to those things that they're going through and be able to address them. And that means that I have to create a safe zone. And what do I mean by that, Ezzy? Like if if your kids and you can say this about your nephew, if they don't trust you, they're not going to open up to you. It doesn't matter what they're going through. 
they're not going to open up to you. So mom and dad should always, but especially dad, should be a safe zone to for your children or your spouse to express the issues or the problems that they're going through without judgment. Because you wouldn't do that to someone else's kid. You would be open to helping them. You should be doing the same thing with your kids or your spouse. And so building that trust is number one. If you're going to take inventory, you have to have an atmosphere of trust as a family man. If they cannot trust you, they're not going to come to you. And then unfortunately, this society, as we've seen, if they can't trust you, they're going to go to somebody who shows them attention. And, you know, I'm speaking to you fathers who have girls. They're going to go to a man because that is what's on the inside of them. Who's going to give them the attention if they're not getting it from you? You know, and so it's important that we, when I say take inventory, you know, whenever you go into a warehouse, you check to see that what you have on the shelves are actually there, right? And so you you think that, you, that they're spiritually whole or they're mentally whole, but every once in a while, you need to run a diagnostic and, and go in there and count and say, wait a minute, is everything okay? Because otherwise you run into a situation where because you haven't been auditing that that th those areas, all of a sudden there becomes a huge issue because you weren't paying attention to the small things all along. Mm -hmm. So I think it's very important that if you're going to be a family man, that you need to learn to put yourself last and to look at the needs of other people to make sure you're sensitive to those. And lastly, that you, you have, have an atmosphere of trust to where they feel like they can come to you and express themselves um, so that you'll help them. Man, that's so true, man. I wrote down a lot of points just from what you said. And the first thing that I wrote, Jeff, was whatever you don't tend will end. Mm -hmm. As men, we have to understand that we are the gardeners of our garden. That's that everything right. that we choose to put up under us, whatever whoever we and whatever we choose, because you have to understand the man carries the seed. If you're going right. to plant the seed, it's your responsibility. If right. you're going to ask that woman to marry you, that's now your responsibility. That's Unfortunately, right. men want a trophy wife, not a woman that helps them get trophies. And so what oftentimes happens oh, is cool. now you want this woman to meet your needs only versus y'all meet the needs of Christ and for the mission he has for y'all's life together, right? And so right. most, unfortunately, Jeff, a lot of men don't understand what it means to guard. And I was so thankful uh, uh, for my grandfather's life. When I was young, he brought me into his backyard for gardening. He showed me how to garden. He showed me uh, when to pluck up the sweet potatoes, when to get the pears and, and all those good stuff. And as a kid, you just thought it was fun. But but as I got older, I was like, he was trying to do what Proverbs was kind of trying to make us do, consider the ant. But he was trying to have me consider the garden and mm -hmm. how you have to work it. If you don't work it, there will be rodents. If you don't work it, there will be weeds. And so men have to understand that you must tend. If you don't tend your daughters, if you don't tend your responsibilities, if you don't tend your wife, you are the main one responsible to, for that thing ending. Right. See what I'm saying? And so right. that's the first point I had, Jeff. I don't know if you want to elaborate on that, but whatever you don't tend will end. And fellas, if you're not ready to tend, don't blend. Don't try to blend and mesh with a woman and try to start families if you're not ready to tend. Jeff and I can both tell you we're last. <laughs> and it sucks. It sucks, but that's the responsibility. Mm -hmm. Not everything about family, not everything about marriage is fun, but it's right. it, but it's rewarding. Hear me. It's it, it's rewarding. It may not be fun always, but gardening, there every process.
of success, there's parts of it that's not fun. Right. I so mean, you, go ahead, Jeff. Yeah. No, no. Yeah. I was just saying, yeah. I mean, I agree with that. You, you know, in order for a, a seed to grow, it has to die. That's that's right. Period. I, it, it does not produce fruit unless it dies. And, and, and a man who is still alive in a relationship is a nightmare. He, he is like poison to that garden. You have to die on the inside and move yourself out of the way because then Christ can get through to your family. I really like what you said about uh, uh, using the gardening analogy yeah. because uh, like I remember, you know, up north, my grandmother, it's funny you brought up your grandfather. My grandmother used to do that. And I remember we used to go out and like for, she would have green onions. I always remember her cutting green onions. Then we go out and she would chop them up and cook something. Mm-hmm. And But she was always out in her garden, always tending because she always had to pay attention to it to make sure, you know, maybe this area needed a little bit more water. That could be your son. Mm-hmm. Maybe this area needed needed uh, a little bit of the soil to be messed with. That could be your wife. You know, mm. it, it depends on what's going on, and, and that's how you garden that area. And it depends on the type of crop that you're trying to harvest mm. on how you treat uh, uh, that type of gardening. You have to understand that each wife is different. Each child is different, just like a watermelon when it's planted, it's planted differently, it's tended differently. Yes. The Holy Spirit is the only one that can enable you to tend properly. But unfortunately, like I said before, Jeff, a lot of men want a trophy wife. They just want something that looks good because that's the that's the mentality of a lot of men. Accomplish, conquer and fill up your trophy shelves. And unfortunately, a lot of women have became trophies. And so men are looking for a particular woman that will help them in their business endeavors, that will help them whatever to make them look good for right. their good sake. But you have to understand that what if your wife's a watermelon? What if your wife's a pear? What if your wife's an apple? Right. Every tree, listen, some plants, some some uh, um, fruit need a certain type of climate. That's right. So there's a certain type of environment you have to produce in order for that tree to bloom and to produce fruit. One thing Pastor Gould said this Sunday, Jeff, that 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 hit home was it is the man's responsibility to 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 make ensure that they wife bear fruit. Exactly. Washing them with the word, being mm-hmm. patient. Um what does the word of God say? Um, being patient with them for they are the weaker vessel and all right. those kind of things. It takes patience to watch something bloom because God is trying to let us know that as we, as his church, his joy is to see us bloom. The joy of the man is to see his family bloom, blossom right. and succeed. And so men have to understand or take the time to say, Holy Spirit, Show me who my wife is at the core. Another thing that Pascal was saying is that uh, this Sunday, that's my pastor in Charlotte. He was saying that how uh, a lot of men try to change the core of their wife. Mm -hmm. And God's saying, that's how I made her. Right. You're asking for orange when she's an apple. You asking for a watermelon when she's a peach. We ain't talking now. Right. Well, you know what I'm trying to say about the peaches. But anyway, go ahead, Jeff. No, no, go ahead. Yeah, that was it. On that point, yeah. No, 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 I was just saying, yeah, that's so true because uh, the thing that's on the inside of her, it, you know, some of you, you men are not married because the Bible says she's a helpmate and you've, you've made it clear you don't need any help. So yeah. that, that's why you, why you don't get married because like, as you say, you're looking for a trophy wife, but God said she's a, a helpmate. And you know, that, and, and I was just going to say, as and we, we can kind of move on after this, but um, how I approach 
my son versus my wife are two different ways, or even my sons. What I mean by that is this. So I read a book years ago called, and I don't know if you remember this, it was called uh, The Five Love Languages. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was primarily for marriage, right? Yeah. But I started to apply that uh, even in my parenting. Wow. And, That's and what I mean by that is this. I began to love, for instance, I have Ethan and Henry. Mm -hmm. Ethan and Henry love in different ways. For instance, Ethan is very much like his mom. That's easy because I'm her husband. I know how to love him. <laughs> yeah. Henry is very much like me. It's very easy for me to love him because he, he's a lot like me. So I yeah. relate to him in that way. But the way that I relate to them are in two different ways because they need to be loved in two different ways. You know, Ethan loves quality time. Henry loves to cuddle. Like the boy just wants to give me a hug all day long. That's how <laughs> yeah. I am. Ethan just wants to spend time with you. He wants to talk about sports. He wants to go on a walk. He wants to discuss stuff. So how you approach them in those areas is so important. You don't, in other words, what I'm saying is, and you said it earlier, you don't paint everybody with a broad brush. I don't correct Ethan the same way I do Henry because I know how they react to correction. I do yeah. it in the way that is going to bring about the right, because remember, if I'm correcting him, I'm trying to improve him. So I'm going to bring, I'm going to correct them in the way that is going to improve them. When it comes to that parenting side, I don't parent my wife. I just put my foot down in the Lord. I'm just kidding. She about to pull the plug I, to this podcast, I, I just, my brother. I told her that the other day. I said that in front of my niece the other day. She rolled her eyes and my wife looked at her and she said, you know, he's kidding, right? I said, no, I'm not. I put two feet down <laughs> and you keep talking. But anyway. Uh, well, you got one no. pinky toe up. You ain't got all 10 toes down. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no. And then, but you know, the thing is, we put our foot down. God, God will put his, his fist down. So, anyway, yeah. on yeah, us. Yeah, be careful because so, God, yeah, we, we exactly. Yeah. No, I'm just mad. But yeah, so, man, it's, it's very anyway, essential, man. Good. It's very yeah. essential that we understand as men, yeah, um, to vent, to process, and to realize. And, and, and a lot of men, single men out there, you have to count the calls. You got to count the calls. You know, in order to be the boss, you know, you got to count the cost. We're not even talking about boss as far as telling the person what to do, but you got to, you got to, you got to understand what you're getting yourself into and what are the requirements of it. And I had some other points and I had this for single men. Don't advertise what you don't have in stock. Mm. Don't advertise what you don't have in stock. When Jeff was talking about inventory, most people are marketing a product that they don't have enough stock for and new levels means new uh shelves means new uh um things that you have to fill the stocks in i mean just fill the shelves with because um there's going to be you got to make sure that you have a system which is your source which is the holy spirit is always stocking your shelf mm -hmm. so that when your wife kids or whoever comes to those shelves they have enough to pull from you know That's when you right. go to the gas station and you pull a gatorade the gatorade slide down Mm -hmm. You have to continuously say, Holy Spirit, fill me up to the brim. Fill me till I overflow. Fill me to a place to where I can be that resource where if my wife need to listen, I have the bandwidth. And you're not going to always in the flesh want to, but that's why you have the Holy Spirit that stocks that shelf of love when you don't feel like loving. Joy when you don't feel like uh, being content when you don't feel like being content. That patience when you don't, because he's the one stocking the shelves so that they can pull from it. And that's just is what it is. But don't advertise when you know you're not ready for business. Don't even open up a business and, and, and try to 
or welcome a woman into an entity and you're not prepared yourself, right? right? And so it is our responsibility as the father, hey, am I really ready for the next level? Am I really ready to be a husband? Because a husband is not something you are, it's something you do. Husband right. is a verb more right. so than a noun. Don't get me wrong, a husband is a noun. But mm-hmm. a husband is also a verb. It's a it's a something you do. It's something you become. Don't get me that's wrong, right. but it's something that you actually put out as well. And so right. that's just my little nugget there for the singles there. And um, fellas, little foxes spoil the vine. Yeah, we as men oftentimes we want to a good man, a, a man of valor, right? We want to solve the big problem. So what we do is we're looking for the big foxes. Mm-hmm. We got to make sure we look at the small foxes. Why? Because they're the ones small enough to chew at the vine. You got the fixing to keep away big foxes. Oh, you're not dating until this or uh, everything's protected. We got security system on security system. But what are those little things that creeping in that's chewing over time at the vine that could be hindering the fruit that you're looking for? You got to you got to be on guard at every little thing and big thing. I heard someone say this, Jeff. If you put yourself out of business, no one else can. That don't mean you put yourself out of business. What it's saying is think of all the ways your business could be put out of business and then develop systems in those places so that no one can come in and put you out. That's That's how you got to look at your marriage. That's how you got to look at yourself. Mm -hmm. I'm going to think three moves ahead and say, where am I vulnerable? Where are the breaches? Where are the gaps? And I'm going to prepare accordingly so I don't make no room for the devil. Well, I was going to say that that's so good because I have a note here where I, I wrote the word uh, constant touches. And what I mean by that mm. is this. I don't come to my wife or my kids, you know, once every couple of weeks. It's daily touches, meaning I'm constantly seeing like not asking questions like like, um, you know, open it. Like, how are you? That's not that's not good enough. Yeah. Hey, did, in school today, did you have any issues that, that went down? You know, like yeah. ask more specific questions because when you say how are you, I'm fine. Then they go in their room they and go away. They scare. That's not that doesn't yeah. work. Ask more specific questions. They can be open ended. I would avoid yes and no questions to be honest with you because that just that just gives them yes no yes no. But if you say hey, uh, uh, how how was your day? That's a yes or no question. Instead of mm-hmm. asking that, say hey, tell me about your day. See how it opens up for conversation mm-hmm. versus just asking yes or no questions. So whenever you say, tell me about your day or tell me about an incident that happened there, blah, 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 you know, they can begin to expand. And we always try that with our boys because you want to do constant touches, because if you deal with the small things, the big things will take care of themselves nine times out of 10. I promise it's the small things, like you said, that need to be addressed. That's real, man. That was yeah. a good discussion, my brother. Yeah. I don't know. You have any more points on that? Nope, we're good. All right, well, let's get right into the next point. I'm going to go ahead and pull up the text. We're going to be going through Psalm 91. Jeff felt pressed on his heart, and I think it's necessary that we discuss a chapter that we both enjoy, a chapter yeah. that I'm sure we heard since we were since we were little. And we're going to pull up Psalm 91. So go ahead and get your pen. Go ahead and get your pad. It's time for us to really um, um, get into God's word and really process what it means not to be in fear. Mm -hmm. But let me go ahead and pull the text up. And thank you so much for the super chat, Andre. uh Oh, did I get it pulled up? There we go. Thank you so much for your donation. We greatly appreciate that. Thank y'all so much. Man, we got some questions. Um, 
Uh, was that about the top? There was. Uh, we'll, we'll we'll get. Uh, did you? Okay, you gave a super chat out. Let's go ahead and take this question, Jeff, because she 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 gave. Let's let's check the shit. I want to be complete. Man, y'all got all the good questions right now. Give us a chance. We'll get to the Q and A portion because I don't want to break break the flow at the moment. Uh, but Andre Drake, we'll get to your question and we'll get to the other ladies' questions as well because I think y'all probably y'all asking questions along the lines of what we shared just now. But let me go ahead and pull up the text real quick. And uh, I'm going to get right into it. I'm going to read it. <clears throat> Excuse me. This text right here is by far, Jeff, probably my favorite chapter in the whole Bible, yep. man. Yep. But let's go ahead and read. It says, he who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I love that. Key word is dwell. So remember dwell and abide. Uh, I will say to the Lord, my refuge in my fort- fortress, my God in whom I trust. That's a declaration. Remember that. Verse three says, for he will deliver you. Declaration leads to deliverance. For he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. That's that's what we're a lot of people are facing right now. He will cover you with his pinions and under his wings, you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and a buckler. You will not fear the terror of the night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in darkness, nor the destruction that wastes at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side, 10,000 at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only look with your eyes and see the recompense of the wicked because you have made the Lord your dwelling place. See, that's I'm, I'm gonna get to that. See, I, some verses, Jeff, I can't speed through, man. I, I gotta go around this curve, but I'm gonna go around and I'm gonna go around the block and I'm gonna come back to it because you have made the Lord your dwelling place, the most high, who is my refuge. No evil. This is my mom's favorite part. It's my favorite. No evil shall be. I'm gonna go oh. to New King James, but it's, it, I'm gonna say it the way mama taught. No evil shall befall you, neither shall any plague come nigh your dwelling or your tent, your apartment, your house wherever you dwell, for he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. On their hands, they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against the stone. You will tread on lions and the adder, the young lion and the serpent you will trample underfoot because he hold fast to me in love. Hold fast to me in love. I will deliver him. I will protect him or her because he or she knows my name. And this text is dense, brother. When he calls to me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Now, since I'm at the bottom of the text, Jeff, I got to I gotta chew through this. It says, with long life, I will satisfy him or her and show him my salvation. You don't have to look to see the salvation, Lord. It will show itself. Right? right now, let's go, let's start from the top, Jeff. <clears throat> yep. The main theme of our discussion today is how to overcome fear or overcoming fear. This text right here is not poetry; it's not something metaphoric. This is truth. This is applicable to every believer. This right here is God's promise. And when we break this text uh, verse by verse, I'm gonna go through it quickly, and I and I'm gonna let Jeff pull from however he wants to pull. But 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 we we are verse by verse people. Uh, we want to make sure, and we won't labor too long because. This verse right here gonna take us about three or four months to get through, but we're gonna <laughs> we, we're just gonna we're gonna drive with you like a student driver, and we, we're gonna drive through this, but we're gonna get through this by the help of the Holy Ghost. The first one says, "He who dwells in the shelter, 
the key thing here is dwell. Dwell means not considering, not in and out. That means I am here. I have made it my mission. I have made it my commitment. You can't face a fearful situation with fear in your tank. You got to prepare in the good times. You got to build your faith in the good times because in this life, you will face trials and tribulations. But what does the word of God say, Jeff? Be of good cheer for he's overcome the world. So you're going to face trials. But most people, they wait to negative situations occur to try to find if they got enough in the tank. No, you got to make God, you got to make a decision right now to make God your dwelling place. It says he who. Anyone, he who dwells in the shelter of the Most High, will abide in the and will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. See, um, Jeff knows when he has because he has children. Uh, I'm pretty sure that when they was afraid, who, where was they, Jeff, in your shadow behind you? Underneath my arms, literally. Underneath your arms, the Bible says in the text, under his wing, Mm -hmm. in shadow. Kids love the shadow because they know Mm -hmm. I'm behind someone I believe in. So when you understand that, that God is your refuge, he is your strength, he is your shelter, and he is the most high. I don't care how high the statistics are with the coronavirus. I don't care how high things are getting around you. You serve the most high, meaning the most high means he has a peripheral view. At Mm -hmm. one glance, God can see your past, your present, and your future at one glance because he's the most high. No matter how high society or people are in this world, they can't see what God sees in your life. Verse two, I will say to the Lord, again, that word Lord, we dwell on that already. You hear what David is saying? He says, I will say, what is your word saying? Are you saying fearful things? Are you saying faith-filled things? And anytime you want to interject, Jeff, feel free to jump in. It says, I will say to the Lord, my Lord, my covering, my, Mm -hmm. my, the person who's responsible for me. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. We as believers have to vocalize our faith. The spirit world operates off of the authenticity and the fervency of our words. Words have power. You got to let the spirit world know that is my God. Like, 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 like if my nephew gets a bucket, that's my nephew. If, 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 if I'm sure when I have kids, they're going to be like, that's my dad. There's something about de- declaring that this is my, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. This text is showing you the order of overcoming fear. Number one, you must dwell. You must dwell yeah. by the well. Go ahead, Jeff. No, I mean, just on that point, I just want to, uh, that, that's so good. Because what I have written here is that Go ahead, Jeff. Um, yeah. se- seated in a heavenly place. Yes. When you're seated, sitting is an attribute of stillness. That's right. Yeah. And so a, a lot of times people get to the place where they're they're standing in a trench instead of being seated in a heavenly place. Jesus didn't walk in the water. He walked on the water. That's right. I don't walk in the trench. I, I walk above it. My feet are planted on something that is firm. I'm I, I I'm in the situation, but I'm not of it. And so when I'm seated in a heavenly place, our position in Christ is to sit is to sit in stillness, in calmness before the Lord in a heavenly place. See, the reason why you have so many problems on earth is because you think that you're supposed to be there. You're not. My residency is in heaven. It's not here on the earth. 
Whenever I'm dealing with the situation, I have to know that heaven has what I need to supply. But, and this is the ESV, but the new, the King James version says, he who dwells in the secret place. No, you're good. No, I'm, uh, I'm, let's uh, go to the King James. It's automatic. It was automatically on there. I'm going to go to the King James. All right, you're fine. Uh, it says that it, it, he that dwelleth in the secret place of the most high shall abide under the shadow of the almighty. I will save the Lord. He is my refuge and my fortress. My God in him will I trust. There's something about a secret place, that secret place of prayer, that secret place of dwelling. Listen, if I see a, a battle and, and, and I see an arrow coming toward me, I want to be under a shield or something. You know, and, and I, I want I want a dwelling place. I need something like you said, as a, a shadow that I can go under to protect me while the enemy's attacking until I can come out and fight back. But the, the secret is to go sit in a heavenly place. <laughs> Excuse me. Uh, you know, one time, as he, I, I just say this, I was preaching in Pennsylvania. Mm -hmm. and God was doing miracle after miracle in the service, and a little boy came up to the uh, to the to the elder in the back and said, "How is this happening?" And he said, there, "There's a long pipe from heaven uh, all the way down to uh, the pulpit where God <laughs> is speaking." Well, here's what they didn't know. <coughs> Excuse me. I had had a dream before that service. And the people were looking around and saying, how are these miracles happening? And you know what the Lord said to me? Mm -hmm. He Who's said, Be because you're seated in a heavenly place. You're wow. there in the church, but you're not there. You're in the pulpit, but you're not there. You're seated in a heavenly place. I'm operating through you while you're seated with me. Hmm. It's the same thing when dealing with fear. Yes, you're in the situation, but you're not there. <coughs> Excuse me, I'll take some water. Go ahead, do your thing, boss. Yes, you're in the situation, but you're not there. You're seated with God in a heavenly place while he's working where you're at. So, <coughs> excuse me, I'm going to put my thing on mute and cough like a crazy person. You go ahead and take it for a minute. That's powerful, man, because where are you seated mentally will determine where your feet be physically. The power that operates through you wherever your feet are planted. The Bible says, set your minds on things that are above, right? It's essential that we are mentally seated. And when it, I know that sounds spiritual, but let's make it plain. You have to literally be in such dense and fellowship with the father that you think how he thinks. Right. Like there's a confidence when a kid sees that his father is seated at the game. There's right. a confidence with the kid when they see their parents or their support system seated at the game. Definitely. So when you are seated and, and when you know your father is seated with you, there with you, you can operate in confidence. You have to understand that in this year, 2020, it was probably one of the best years of my life. And I'm not yeah. saying that because, oh, that's what, no, for real. Yeah. Promotion happened this year. I put a book out this year. Pro, uh, God prospered me and my wife this year. And, and, right. and it's because I'm seated with him. I'm not affected. We are not affected by this world system. We are ambassadors. Right. And when a, a U.S. ambassador goes to another country, it don't matter what's going on in that country. That ambassador ain't affected by what's going on in that country because he right. is on or she is on a mission of another land. And when you know that you're a pilgrim passing through, fully funded, fully protected, demons can't mess with you. Pestilence can't mess with you. When you know that you are an ambassador, let somebody touch a U.S. Uh, ambassador. Right. And see what happened to that nation. Mm -hmm. That's why they can't touch you. 
But if you're if you're not mentally mature enough and mentally seated with God and operate in confidence, I tell basketball players all the time: if you don't play confidently, an injury is inevitable. Right. You have to play confident because if you lackadaisical, nervous, afraid, mentally not in the game, you're going to be more susceptible for injury because you're not confident. But when you know you are an ambassador and you know you've already dwelt and are currently dwelling in the secret place of the Most High and you abide in the shadow of the Almighty, you will confidently say. Now, let's get to the order of this text. You want to add anything, Jeff? No, keep, keep going. I just think this is so good because I know a lot of people are going through a, a fearful time right now. And, and our overall message to you is you do not let your heart be troubled. Jesus yeah. said, I have overcome the <clears throat> world. So, you know, keep going, Ezzy. I think this is good, what, what you're saying. The first text let us know how to overcome fear. We have to personally dwell. Right. Number one, we must dwell. Dwell by the well. Dwell in the well. The well is in you. The Bible mm -hmm. says the Holy Spirit searches the deep things of God. Right. That's why I always tell people, uh, Jeff, that the Holy Ghost is greater than Google. It's That's unfortunate right. we don't. It's unfortunate we don't search Him often. Mm -hmm. Google can't search God. You know that, right? Everyone right. listening, Google can't search God. Right now, if we searched God like we search Google. We'll find things greater than the anything on Google because God knows everything. But you have that, that, that what they call Alexa's Alexa, what they call Siri. You got something a billion times better, and that's the Holy right. Spirit. And when right. you dwell in the well, everything will be well. But right. if you don't trust the well, like Jesus said to the woman um, at the at the um, well, hey, you you drink of me one time, you will never be thirsty again. Right. When you allow the wellspring of the Holy Spirit to, to, to bubble in you and, and you're not grieving him, but you allowing him um, to, to grow and fill you, man, man, you will walk confidently. Well, Ezzy, I think go ahead, Jeff, yeah, go ahead. I, I didn't mean to cut you up, but I, I, I no, think that's fine. such a good I think that's such a good point because so like if you're asking how do I do that practically, yeah, what yeah, you yeah. just said is this basically what you said is exactly what Jesus said. I will keep him in perfect peace whose mind it stayed on me. Yes. In other words, if I'm dwelling on everything else around me versus dwelling on Jesus Christ, you remember Peter, remember Peter, what he was looking at is what was blessing and also what led to his downfall. What was that? Mm. He was looking unto Jesus because of that. He was walking on the storm. But then he began to look at the storm and, and, and because he took his eyes off Jesus and look at the storm, instead of dwelling on Christ and looking on him, he began to sink. So his vision, his vision uh, uh, on, on was fine, meaning he didn't have a problem with vision. The problem was that what he was paying attention to. Right. One minute he's on Jesus. He's dwelling on Jesus. And he's, oh my goodness, he's walking on water. Now, I don't fault Peter. Remember, he's the only one that got out the boat. <laughs> That's real. Nobody else did. So so when people put Peter down and say, oh my goodness, he didn't, and, and all this kind of stuff, hold on a second. Everybody else was still in the ship in safety. Yeah. But Peter's walking on water. He sees Jesus, but he also sees the storm. But which one does he pay attention to? Do mm. I look at my job loss? Do I look at, at how my kid's acting that's not safe? Do I look at... uh this bill that's not being paid? Or do I look to him that is my portion when there isn't enough? 
Do I look at him that saves my entire household? Do I look at him who is the source of all finances when it comes to, you know, a bill or, or a job? When I'm believing for somebody's salvation, is it me that saves them or Jesus Christ? It's, it's not what I'm looking at. It's what I'm paying attention to. Mm. Meaning it's okay to look at the situation. Peter's perfectly aware of the storm. But when he took his eyes off of Jesus and began to pay attention more to the storm than he did Jesus, all of a sudden he began to sink in that water. So I think that's so good that what you said, Ezzy, because basically what you were saying in a practical sense was, I'll keep you in perfect peace if you keep your mind on me, if you'll dwell on me and not other things. Jesus said, take no thought for your life. Isn't yeah. that a wonderful promise? Take, take no, thought. no thought. That's a command. It's a command. And it's amazing because when you don't take a thought for your life, remember Psalm chapter mm. four, verse three, and I know we're, 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 we're going around, but Psalm four, verse three, as it says that, um, it says, uh, the, the, let me pull that up real quick. Cause I'm, I'm forgetting where here, I'll tell you, you good. what it is. Good, bro. Yeah. Uh, it's Psalm chapter four, verse three. This is one of my favorite scriptures, but I can't remember it right now for some reason. Uh, okay, Psalm 4, 3. It says, uh, but know that the Lord, listen, listen to this, Ezzy, but know that the Lord has set apart him that is godly for himself. The Lord will hear when I call unto him. In other words, I don't have to worry about my life. God worries about my life. I just do what he's called me to do and mm. keep my eyes on him. That's powerful, bro. You just inspired me. What did this word of God say in Matthew 6? Um, seek ye first the kingdom of God and all of his rights and all his things be added. Now, yeah, people look right. at that text and they speed by through without looking at the depth of that meaning of that text. Mm -hmm. What did the word of God say? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and all of his rights. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and all of his rights. Now, in order to practically keep keep your mind thinking on things that are above, right? Right. And what Jeff was talking about in regards to how to practically uh, um, dwell, what is your position in the kingdom? Right. That's your purpose. As a reborn babe in Christ, growing into maturity, there is a position through your gifting, through your calling, through your purpose that you're supposed to play in the kingdom. Right. When you're focusing on your spot in the kingdom, which means my spot in the kingdom is to edify, encourage, rebuke, and to grow God's people into the full knowledge of Christ, bearing fruit, right? That's my spot. I'm supposed to be a preacher. I'm supposed to be a beacon of light. That's my spot. Right. God has gifted me with the gift of words, and that is my position to kingdom. And every given moment through the Holy Spirit's orders, I'm supposed to seek first, God, where am I supposed to be posted today? Right. Holy Spirit, I'm going to vibe with you today. So when no matter where I find myself, I'm going to be seeking my, my mission. I'm seeking the kingdom's need. Right. In this political sphere, in this nationalism, all this stuff, we focus so much on nations and parties than we do the kingdom of God. And what is my mission? When you, when you get caught up in the sphere of influence of culture, the Bible says no one, no soldier entangles himself with civilian affairs for his or her joy is to please the one that enlisted them. We have become so civilianized that we forgot that we're soldiers. Mm -hmm. And we have to make sure that we are seeking what is my spot in the kingdom of God. And how else could you preoccupy your mind as you navigate life and dwell is how more, hear me. How can I allow my righteous position in Christ, the righteousness that was imputed on me through the cross, 
-hmm. How can I allow that to continuously make my deeds more righteous? I'm right. not looking to be more righteous in my works. I am inspired by the righteousness that has been imputed on me right. that I'm now allowing the river of the Holy Spirit through allowance to make my deeds more righteous. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and all of his righteousness. How can I become, how can I allow the Holy Spirit to renew my mind to a place of righteous deed, not righteous in position because that's already taken care of by Christ. Right. I am in right standing with God. There is no hell for me. That's but right. fellowship and relationship with God requires there a holiness, a righteous living, because we're now in partnership with the Father. So we're not saying theologically that you have to work for more righteousness. You are deemed right. righteous because of what Christ did. You are now yeah. in right standing. Now, now that we're back in relationship with the Father, now the Holy Spirit is cleaning up the sinful habits and the sinful thinking that may interfere with the relationship with the Father, that may hinder our kingdom assignment and our purposes here. That's right. So practically, we have to say, God, what is my spot in the kingdom? You can't expect to walk in faith when you haven't put up no reps. I tell athletes all the time, I tell people all the time. And the young ladies and young men in my school who's looking to find their purpose, I say, in order to be confident, you got to get your reps up. Mm -hmm. If I know I shot a thousand shots the day before, I'm not going to be afraid to take that shot in the game. So what we're trying to say is, is that if you want to be a better representation of Christ, you got to get your reps up. You got to be familiar with your weapon, which is the word of God. You got to be familiar about who you are in Christ so that when you are in the corona season and, and viruses, all the pestilence by day and arrows by night and all this stuff, you can stand assured knowing like the rest of the text we'll get to if we get to them because we got two preachers that you are guaranteed protection when you dwell well and that you confess from your heart that you know the Lord is your refuge and your fortress and that you trust him. Right. I mean, I wrote down something because of what you said. I said, when you focus on his priorities, he mm. prioritizes you. Man. You know, you really, so don't think that Ezzy and I haven't been through, I mean, if you, if you guys knew our backstory and the amount of fear that had tried to overtake our lives, mm. Since we were very young, we won't get into that right now necessarily, mm -hmm. but it has been, uh, and I know me and Ezzy know each other. So we know our backstories. I, yeah. I can speak for him and, and he can yeah, speak. Yeah. For him. Yeah. For sure. Like we both know that we have been through the ringer, but I want you to know something. When Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego were about to be thrown into the fire, did you hear fear in there, in, in, in their voice or in, in there? No, you did because they did not dwell in that same realm that people who do not know God dwell. Yeah. They were dwelling in a secret place. That's mm. why when they walk through the fire, they're just walking into the secret place where the heavenly father is. He's right there with them. Man. They're always walking into a secret place. The world thinks it's like punishment or things are going to happen. It's a Your job loss is a promotion because you're walking into a secret place. Mm. Whatever you're going through, you're walking into a secret place. You don't have, you know, I love um, 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 uh, Lion, Witch, in a Wardrobe, you know, uh, Narnia. Yeah, the, yeah. They're walking into a wardrobe, but they're not. They're walking into a secret place, into another Man, world. bro. You see what I'm saying? When you turn those things that were meant for evil 
around and say, God, they're using this. They're using the lion's den to destroy me. I'm going to use it as a prayer room. Mm. I'm going to use it as an arena for your glory to come in and show out. God, they're throwing me into the fire. But Lord God, I'm not going into their fire. I'm going into yours because yeah. you're you in can't, your fire. Ooh, you can't burn me if I've already. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Wow. <laughs> I, I knew what you was going to say. I like Jeff, brother. Exactly. That's powerful, exactly. brother. Yeah. So, so don't think that we haven't gone through fear or that we're not walking in it. The difference is this. We have, we're, we're still learning, but we, we learn to not uh, allow those things to disrupt us. Cause like, as he said, and like I've said before that, he said, we're an ambassador. What's that mean? We're in that country, but we're not of it. So yeah. I don't operate by the laws of that country. I operate by the jurisdiction of the country that I came from. That means that there are certain, for instance, you can be in <clears throat> another country, but, but me as a U.S. citizen, as an ambassador, I have a right in the U.S. embassy that not even you who live in that country have a right to because of the embassy that is set apart for me. And so whenever I go into a realm, whenever I go into the workplace, whenever I go into my, my, my unsaved uh, family members, whenever I go into any venture or, or anything that God has called me to, remember, I have a citizenship in heaven. I'm seated in a heavenly place. So I don't operate the same way you do because the realm that I'm operating in is different than the realm you're operating in. And my realm is greater than your realm. It has to be like, for instance, I wrote, to, uh, you have to believe that the one who is overcoming is greater than the, than the, the actual thing that you're dealing with, you know, because you're dealing with two situations, right? As you're dealing yeah. with the fear of it and then the, it itself. Yeah. See what I'm saying? So, so, so for instance, uh, there, there's, there's the, uh, if we, if we, if we get something like, okay, I'm just going to use an example. Like you can't pay a bill. There's fear of poverty versus actually having to deal with the bill itself. Right. It's mm -hmm. two different things. God says, I want you, you to deal with the fear part. I'll take care of the bill. The bill isn't the issue. Yeah. Your, your fear is what is the issue. It's separate from the actual issue itself. And what happens is, is that fear imprisons people. That's and true. so when they're in prison, they cannot get out on the battlefield. And if you don't battle, you can never have a victory. That's why David, remember whenever the armies of, uh, of Saul were going out against Goliath, they were so petrified with fear, they couldn't even get on the battlefield. But David comes along because he's conquered the thing that is kept them in bondage. And as a result, he's able to defeat the thing that they're afraid of. And so it's important that we. Sorry, I just saw Kenny Mack posted. All right. <laughs> uh, but. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, boy, we Kenny, uh, anyway. So what I'm saying is like, are you dealing with fear or the issue? A lot of times the issue isn't as bad as you think it's going to be. Remember, sometimes we go through things because that's the only way that God's going to get glory. Sometimes we go through things because that's the only way that somebody who is not saved 
can look and see how is it that they can walk through the fire when my own soldiers died from the heat? Mm. How is it possible? Something on the inside of them must be different. What is it? I need what they have, but they're never going to need what you have if they don't see what you've got. And the only way they're ever going to see what you've got is if you go through what they themselves could never make it through on their own. That's why they're baffled because they can't understand why other soldiers are dying because the fire's too hot, but you're walking in like you're going to the beach and there's no problem. Amen. That's powerful, my brother. And I think we all have to understand when you've already been through the fire, you're not afraid to get burned. Right. You're not. Fear paralyzes. Fear torments. That's why you got to make a decision. One thing that this virus did, Jeff, it shook and broke a lot of people's idols. Right. A lot of people were face to face with the reality that their idols are incapable of sustaining them. Huh. So now, where huh. else can you go? Huh. You might as well dwell in the secret place of the most high. You might as well dwell in within the well Man. and abide in the shadow because your idols, your money right now, uh, um, there's restrictions in certain states. There's things you can't do. I'm glad God already made me an introvert. I don't mind staying at the house. I'm glad <laughs> God shut my my uh, a local ministry down two and a half years ago, got me uh, hot and, and, and into the uh, YouTube sphere. I don't got to worry about no building overhead and what we can. The message can still go. So what I'm saying is, is that we have to say, you know what, God, <laughs> where else can I go? Jesus, when he was talking very strong, people started walking away. Jesus turned to his disciples and said, y'all going to go to? Y'all want to go to? And one disciple says, where can we? Where else can we go? Yeah. For you have the words of life. So right now you got to make a choice to dwell. You got to say, you know what, God? I cannot serve my job or money anymore. I cannot because how can how can I get a promotion in the middle of 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 um of of pestilence, <clears throat> of plagues? How? I'm not worried. I told my wife uh, with the first, the other job I had, I said, if they start talking about whatever, and I'll keep that personal, whatever, if they start talking about mandatory this or whatever, uh, are you ready for me to, are you ready to make that decision? Right. Because I can make that decision because I know who's in me. I know who's my provider. Right. And if you, if you're holding on to something and you're afraid to let it go because you think it's your source, my friend, that thing will not keep you. Right. He that dwelt in a secret place of the most high shall abide under the shadow of the almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge, my force, my God, whom I trust. We said, number one, how to overcome fear. You got to make a choice to dwell. Number two, how to overcome fear. You got to confidently, you got to make sure you uh, have the faith that believes in what this says, that you are able to say, I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge. Right. What is in your soul right now that's hindering that uh, from that being a reality off your lips? <clears throat> what is that that's keeping you that idol, right. that desire that's keeping you from saying, yo, he's my refuge, not my job. He's my refuge in my fortress, my God in whom I will trust. <clears throat> After that, verse three says, surely he shall deliver thee. From the snake, you gotta know that he's a surely God. Now I know I'm getting old school. You know they be taking words and be like, you gotta know he's a truly God, a surely God. 
can hear Kenny doing a run right now like an Indian. Okay. Kenny already <laughs> going like this. Hey, he's a surely God. Surely. And you start doing surely. All he yeah, he <laughs> shall deliver thee. Surely. Not maybe. Not will he. You got to build that confidence. How to overcome fear. Faith comes by hearing <clears throat> and hearing by the word of God. And I, I know a lot of y'all are looking. And Kenny said, he's, he, he, he said, I'm in B flat. I don't know. You know, I don't know no notes. I don't know what. I'm just flat. Neither, no B, no A, no nothing. Right. But you have to, but you have to say or find out what is getting in, what's interfering with your faith. The word of God says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. A lot of people, Jeff, they want to hear practical points, but they don't want to hear the point. They want practical points, but they don't want to hear the main point. Sometimes just just letting the word of God flow through us, it it brings strength to you. So many people are spiritually anorexic, spiritually dehydrated. And when you hear a man of God preach the word like we're doing right now, it's like your soul and your spirit has drunk something for the first time in a while. Right. So sometimes instead of looking for the practical point, just let your spirit be nourished. Just let your spirit drink and the Holy Spirit beyond this video will then continue to make sure that your anorexic spirit or spirit that's dehydrated becomes full. Well, I think that's good. No, I was saying that that's that's good. And like, I know we may not get through all this today, but like that, that's the thing is like when we begin to dwell on him and really make him first, you know, whatever you feed will grow. Right. We agree on that. Yeah. But whatever you don't feed will die eventually. Right. And so if I have, you know, the Bible says to to think on good things. You know, there are a lot of good things that you can be grateful and thankful for versus what you're going through. And I think that uh, 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 an environment where I'm continually remembering to be thankful and to think and dwell on good things is so important in the life of a Christian because I have more working for me than I have working against. That's real. That's real. Right. I always have more working for me than I do have against me because at the end of the day, I'm still going to be with him. Mm. Whether I die, I'm with him. Whether I'm here, I'm with him. It doesn't matter. I'm still with him. The devil can throw whatever they want. If he kills me, I still get to be with Jesus. So it does not matter. You know, some of us love our life so much that that, that it, it ruins us. And, and instead of loving Jesus, we love our life more than we love Jesus. We're, we're, and so as a result, like like you you go over into and by the way, I recommend this book. I I, I, I want to tell you, it's called um, The Heavenly Man. And it's about this Chinese missionary. It is the hands down number one best book, Christian book I've ever read in my entire life. He was a missionary from China. He's he's Chinese in in China in the 80s and 90s. So when you and I were born, as he this dude was being beaten for 10 years in a prison cell like nobody's business. But here's the thing. He was supernatural. He would get up the when he escaped, the Holy Spirit said, get up and walk out the door. All of a sudden, all the doors unlocked. He walked in Mm. front of 20 guards and not a single one saw him as he walked out the front door, got into a cab and drove away and fled the country. I'm telling you, it is the best book you will ever read. At one point, he fasted from water and food. I'm not kidding you. I think 90 days. Water and food. It was supernatural that God brought him through. But what I'm saying is he dealt with so much fear 
And yet he trusted God. The, the devil would try to push in, but he wouldn't pay attention to it because what, what, you know, eventually things begin to die if you do not feed them. Whenever you're, you're dwelling on negative thoughts, and that's another thing. I really feel like this is for somebody out there. One of the reasons why you're always living in fear is because the people that you listen to. You are always around people that are always talking negative and are always looking at the wrong side of the situation because they live on earth and they are ambassadors for the devil versus you living in heaven and you're an ambassador for Christ and live listening to the word of God. When you're not careful about who you listen to, and I don't even care. I want to tell you something, as even family members. Even family members who are always talking about the exact opposite of the word of God when they're around you, you all need to shut that down because all that does is lead to more and more fear. You're not supposed to be listening to the voice of the enemy, no matter who it's coming through. And don't take offense to that. Remember, Jesus rebuked Peter and said, get thee behind me, Satan. You're minding the things of Satan, not the things of God. You know what I mean? Like you're listening to him and not and not to what the, the uh, word of God. God is saying through me, through Jesus Christ. And so whenever we're going through those seasons of fearfulness because we're afraid something's going to happen, listen, you have to believe that the person who's rescuing you is greater than the danger itself. The person that is rescuing you is greater than the danger itself. If you don't think that, you'll continue to try to fight and, and, and swim and try to get out of the situation yourself instead of laying still and allowing the lifeguard to take you out the water. Right. Uh, a person that is, is drowning, they always tell you, don't flow your body, because if you do, the, the lifeguard can't get around you and bring you to the shore. Right. They're, they're, they risk getting hurt themselves. It's the same thing with God. When we're over here flailing and all this kind of stuff, instead of being still, it's like God can't get our attention until we settle down hmm. and we begin to dwell on him. Yeah. Yeah. And so and so we're not going to be able to get through all this because because those first two verses it's very, very paramount. I'll try to get through two more verses, but we want to answer some of you all's questions as well as get to, of course, we done fed you spiritually. Then we're going to talk about what we like to feed ourselves physically. Okay. There we go. <laughs> confidence, confidence, confidence. Oh, one thing that Jeff said, that, that uh, I wrote a note here. Miracles are not outdated. All right. It's hard to trust in a God that's that's out that in our minds is outdated. There are certain sectors of the Christian community that don't believe that God does miracles, that believes that God doesn't do things. And I think they don't want to believe in it because of the work that may have that the sacrifice, not work, but the sacrifice you may have to make. I don't want to say works, but sacrifices. There's a certain level of spiritual maturity, a certain level of spiritual power that operates in a person's life that is sacrificial. Right. It's hard for God to live through you when you're alive. But if you're constantly dead to yourself, you will begin to say, I'm not going to walk in fear because I know miracles are still prevalent. But am am I willing to sacrifice myself enough, which will then make me sensitive enough that will enable me to see enough that he would do what he'd been done. That's right. So if something happens and pestilence come, you can believe in somebody one. That a thousand can fall on my left, 
on through coronavirus and 10,000 can fall at my right through the virus or any pestilence or anything, but it will not come towards me because I'm dwelling in the secret place. That's right. But when you get in disobedience, you stop dwelling and you start being delusional through ignorance. Like the word of God says, my people perish due to lack of knowledge. You're out here just doing your own thing. Then those things, the weapons that are formed against you will prosper That's because right. you're not positioned. Right. And so I hope y'all got something out of that. But I, I mean, Jeff, what do you think? You think we should stop there and maybe come back next week? Yeah, or? yeah I think we can stop there for now and just go into it. I mean, I think that we covered the main thing, which is this. At, at the end of the day, to overcome fear, you have to dwell in the secret place. I, hands down, that's the main thing that we focus on is that no matter what we're going through, we're dwelling in him and not dwelling on the thing that we're actually afraid of, right? Because God is greater than the fear that we're dealing with. That's real. And that's real. Divine 15, first question I saw, then I'm going to go ahead and scroll up and um, and look at um, the questions from earlier um, because it was also pertaining to what we're saying. So we're going to start with one, one that's on topic and then we'll scroll up and get to, uh, I believe it was Audra. I hope I said your name right. Uh, we'll get to your question as well. Uh, but Divine 15 says, tips for creating a prayer closet, war room, and should I include my vision board in the prayer closet? I don't know if you want to tackle that first, Jeff, or? Um, so very simply, I mean, I would just say any place can be a prayer closet. Uh, mm -hmm. it, it, it does not matter. Now, if you're in your home, you know, you might have a specific place wherever you can get away and can be secluded and spend time with the Lord without distractions can be a, uh, a secret place. But like, I'm like a pastor that I used to serve under. I can fall asleep anywhere. It's the same thing with prayer. I can pray anywhere. I can, pray I can be in the middle of a crowd and turn it into a secret place and into a dwelling room. And in the middle of a crowd, I can, I listen, I was at the dentist the other day and the, de and the lady was cleaning my teeth and I began to pray to the Lord. I started sharing miracles with her and she was freaking out. <laughs> And then, uh, and then underneath, I just began to sing to the Lord, and I, I started getting teary-eyed. She didn't know why. I think she probably thought that something she was pushing too hard whenever she was doing. But I don't care. I could be sitting at the seat in the, in the dentist and praising the Lord in prayer. But from a practical standpoint, yeah, you can bring in your notes. Like I always like to have like a, a journal in my Bible, and like usually I have a book that I'm reading or whatever, and or or a concordance, and I bring it in with me. So that yeah, I mean, I. My tip is learn to make a prayer room wherever you're at, literally. I mean, God's presence is everywhere. He is not limited by a location. So what did Superman do? He found any room <laughs> to change. <You're> right. <laughs> no matter where you are, boom, boom, you out, you ready to go. Now, in regards to your personal home, like Jeff said, make sure that there's no distractions. Yep. Because if you want to remember anything you forgot, start praying. Mm -hmm. So you got to discipline. You don't have a, hear me closely. Don't just have a desire to play, pray, be disciplined with prayer. Right. You can desire to pray all day. The de demons love to, the demons can easily <coughs> defeat someone on desire alone, mm -hmm. but it's very hard for them to defeat someone who's disciplined. That's right. Because desire is not always going to be there. That's right. Desire ain't going to always be there. There's not always a desire in marriage to be married. There's not always a desire in parenting to parent. There's not always a desire in entrepreneurialism, uh, entrepreneurship to be entrepreneurial. Right. So if you always look for 
I must, I will only do this when I have the desire. The enemy will put fire to that and burn that desire up. You got to not just have desire to pray. You must be disciplined with prayer. That's right. So you got to already know the devices demons put in place to destroy opportunities of prayer. And when you are aware of that and not being ignorant of his devices, you will prepare accordingly with his devices in mind. That's right. And the Bible says when a person is tempted, they're tempted and drawn away. They're drawn away to tempt it and uh, drawn and enticed. Huh. When a man is, uh, what is, uh, I'm jumbling. Uh, he's drawn away by his own lust and enticed, okay. right? So you got to know yourself enough to say, okay, what am I easily drawn by? Mm-hmm. And you got to, you, we just got to keep it a buck. We got to be more disciplined spiritually. Yeah. It's not that we have a lack of discipline. We just don't know how to transfer our discipline to the right things. Sure. We're all disciplined at stuff. Go ahead, Jeff. Yeah. And I was just going to say, uh, Raven Hill used to say, no man is greater than his prayer life. That's real. And the, the discipline that I have in that will determine where I'm going. You, it, no man is greater than his prayer life. It doesn't matter how many degrees you have. It does not no. matter what uh, what how many people you have attending your church. Many of you are the pastor. No man is greater than his prayer life. You oh, know, the, the, you know what else he used to say? Is What's that? No, it's fine. He used to say, uh, he said, you know, you can show off in the pulpit, but there's no showing off in the prayer closet. God's not impressed. Meaning he's he, not impressed. He, he, you can't put not on a show, a show with God. He knows your heart. So here's a couple of questions up here, because I think we kind of answered that. We answered how to make your prayer closet at home, alleviate of all distractions, being aware of satanic devices that may try to disrupt your prayer life. And Jeff, like Jeff said, you can make a prayer closet anywhere. Like Superman, he jumped in anything, changes and was ready for battle. So anywhere you could tap into God at anywhere because Christ paid the bill for your for your uh, call, for your ability to make calls. And so because Christ paid the bill, you can call Anytime. You see what I'm saying? Because he paid the bill. <clears throat> now, um, let's answer these questions real quickly. Did we, oh, let's, yeah. let's see if we got any. Uh, let me scroll up. I'm are, sorry. You, are you going to the top or the bottom? The top. I'm at the top. Yeah. Okay. Got you. Um, Julia, real quickly. She says, help. I'm scared to call this guy and tell him I don't think it's a good idea for us to meet up because of distance. Well, you can't walk in that fear, my friend. The best way to be confident and going forward in anything is to find the facts of a thing. You got to write the facts down. What are the, why, what are the facts of why you shouldn't fellowship with this individual? Write those facts down because if you keep dwelling on what's flooding in your heart and the emotions and the thoughts and wondering how he's going to feel and disappoint. <laughs> Listen, let me tell you something. No is one of my favorite words. I don't mind hurting someone's feelings genuinely if it's for me protecting my own. Like if my no offends you and my no is a representation of self-care, then you must have a selfish connection to me. Okay. So you got to be okay with that. So write the facts down of why you shouldn't uh, fellowship because fear has torment. You're going to be persecuted by that or or tormented by that. So you got to ask yourself, first off, ask yourself, why are you scared? Why are you scared to call him? Is he abusive? Is it because you're scared to hurt his feelings? What is the reason why you're scared? Secondly, I want you to write down the facts of why this fellowship should not continue so that when you go forward and making this phone call, you have the facts written down and and those facts are centered within your self-care and the Holy Spirit's guidance. 
So those are just quick things off the off the gate. Because you didn't say anything abusive or anything. You just said meet up because of distance. Um, if you just don't if you don't want to go, you don't gotta go. Right. You got work in the morning. So tell the truth. I got stuff I'm working on right now. I can't do it. Yeah. I don't know if you want anything to that, Jeff. No, I think that's good. You can go to the next one. Queen M says, should a woman be completely submissive to her husband? I mean, so should a should a Christian be completely submissive to the government? No. So what I mean by that is this. We are submissive to our government so long as they do not violate our Christianity. So I am submissive to my wife. My wife is submissive to me so long as what I am doing is not in violation of my Christianity. So, for instance, you're submissive to him all the way until he violates or causes your submission would cause you to sin. Mm -hmm. Right. That's how far you should be submissive. So the answer is no, you should not be completely submissive. But you should be submissive as far as Christ is concerned. But as soon as they step outside and try to bring you into, for instance, if you were to tell me uh, in, in case somebody disagrees with me, if her husband told her to go out and rob a store, do you think she should be submissive to him? Absolutely not. Why? Because that violates the word of God. It violates her Christianity. So I'm only submissive to the point where my Christianity, my relationship with God is not violated it's not violated so the answer is no for that i ain't saying nothing else that that right there that was it that was good man yeah deshaun adams says how do you view being esteemed in self we often speak of self-love worth and esteem how does it differ from being esteemed in god great question go ahead oh, that's no you can go ahead but yeah let, let me tell you that where in the bible does it say to esteem self it does not say that it says die. I, my wife and i were talking about that the other day i am sick to death of all this exactly this absolute nonsense especially this uh, upcoming generation and yes i'm heated but i can't the selfishness to its mm. core is to think that i'm more important it is absolute ridiculous. When I am loved by God and, and I know God loves me, myself is already taken care of because he's working on the inside of me, meaning my worth is not in myself. It's in Christ. It should be uh, Christ esteem, not self esteem. What, mm. Think about that. To if I be self, lifted up. Exactly. Exactly. He said, if I be lifted up, not if you be lifted up, am I supposed to esteem self? No, that's what the devil does. He does that all day long. So it says, how do you view being esteemed in self? We often speak of self-love, worth, and esteem. Listen, if you don't know who you are in Christ, that's when you need to go to self-esteem and all that other kind of nonsense. But no, when you know who Christ is, you don't have to worry about those things. What, what do you got, bro? Pull it up. Second Timothy 3 exactly. says, but know this. Thank you. <clears throat> exactly. So Lovers our, of self. That's right. Go ahead. Our value, our worth must come from Christ. And it should be right. through us that our esteem is because of him, that I am nothing without him. The Bible says it's in him that we live, move and have our being. When you recognize that you're nothing with God, you can do stuff for God. When you That's realize right. that that you are unable without him, that he is your source and he is your strength. Like my self-esteem comes because of Christ's esteem through me. And because right. I because I, like when we speak, Jeff can tell you that when we speak on behalf of God, sometimes I look at myself talking. 
and I look at what I'm like, that ain't me. Exactly. And and I I am humbled. Right. If I could put my face, my face through the ground, that's what I would right. do because that is humbling. Right. That he's using someone like me. Now you're talking to a guy that was a lover of himself and <laughs> idolized his ministry. And now when you really see Christ esteemed and see him in his fullness of glory and realize that you have the opportunity to, 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 to work with God and be a son or daughter of God, you, you want to die to yourself more and more. If I can die to myself 50 times a day, I will. Because of the glory that I get to give my God, not that he does that, that he um, needs it. It's because I have no other th- other option. This is my life's mission. What did, what did, what did he say as he said, I must decrease, decrease. I must it's, decrease, not esteem myself up. I must decrease. See, that's the problem. Self-esteem is what the world does. I lift up myself. I talk about myself so I can get ahead. That's not what the Bible is. The Bible says that Jesus lowered himself. He mm. brought, he he came from majesty and came to a pig sloth where that were animals ate out of. That's what he was born in. Mm. And so he lowered himself. He said he said if I be lifted up I'll draw all men unto me. But he also talks about how whenever you humble yourself he'll exalt you. It's right. Christ that esteems you, not self that esteems you. Which I it think is. is what this person is getting into. They're I saying, how so. does this differ? Yeah, being esteemed in God. Exactly. God esteems you, not, not yourself. Self-esteem. You don't esteem <clears throat> self. They're, they're you not don't. in the Bible. You die no. to self and allow to him to. increase. That's, That's why right. this text, right <laughs> now, we're, we're living in the middle of this text right now in this day and age. But know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come for men and women will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters. That's what social media don't come on now. Boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good. Traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but deny its power. And from such people turn away. For of this sort are those who, okay, that's going deeper. But right there. That's today. Is that not, that's today. That is today. That's 100% today. That is, that is every single that's every single person in Hollywood, all the people in the media. It's all, it's everybody you see is, is that scripture right there. And you should run for, it says, and from such turn away, run for your life. Run away. And let me tell you this, run for your life. you judge a person by their fruit. Who are they esteeming? Right. Who are they esteeming? Is it all, look at these preachers right now. All their Instagrams is all about them. Pictures of themselves, pictures of their wife, pictures of this, pictures, 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 pictures. All, but where is Christ in this? Christ is right. a byproduct. It, Christ has become a means to an end. They using his gospel as a means to an end for this evident, this evidence here, and they're perpetuating an imagery that is allowing a lot of babes in Christ or non-converts, hand-raised Christian only. 
signed mm -hmm. on a sheet of paper, but not the, the no seal of the Holy Spirit in there on their forehead. Man, I, I don't want to go deeper, man, because that right there is just. You know, yeah, and I, I'll just say this, as a, me and my uh, another guy, Josh, were talking about this morning. They have a lot of really good props, and one of their props is Christianity. Yeah, <laughs> meaning it's it's a false it's a false Christianity. That's one of their props, and it's it's uh it's quite scary because Jesus has to be magnified, not Jeff, not Josh. <clears throat> the moment no. we get in the way, he moves us out. We know, listen, man. Like we done been through our phases, man. This is a gentleman here, Jeff. Yep. I believe. I believe this is a guy. Yeah. Um. There, there's a woman I love very much, but I know things wouldn't work out between us, and I, and I not to be, and I am not to be so in love with her. But no matter how much time has passed, I still feel the same way about her. Um. To answer your question real quickly, there's an idolatry there. Um, and there's another level up under that idolatry. There's probably a, 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 um, a wound. Um, anytime we try to make someone else, anytime we try to fill that void with someone else, we realize they don't have the capacity to be that. Everyone's hole in their heart is God's size, right? It's The Holy Spirit is required to fill that hole and to fill the holes within your soul realm, right? So the, the first thing I would ask you is, is did something happen in your formative years? Was there uh, abandonment issues? Because I know I gravitated to relationships strongly because of abandonment. Like I, I, I was obnoxious to women. You see what I'm saying? Because of my abandonment. You see what I'm saying? And so you got to look at the deep wound and ask yourself, uh, um, um, was there abandonment? Was there rejection? Was there abuse? Because mm -hmm. if, if there's a void there, it may not be you. It may be difficult for you to let her go because you want her so badly so that you can feel complete. But you have to understand, you will never be able to compliment a woman unless you're completed in Christ. We were never meant to be completed or to complete someone. We were only created to compliment someone. See what I'm saying? So when Jeff and I wear suits, uh, um, the tie is whole by itself. The suit jacket is whole by itself. The shirt is whole by itself. The belt is whole by itself. The pants are whole by themselves. The socks are whole by themselves. The shoes are whole by themselves. None of those things are completing the outfit. They're complementing each other, making the outfit what it is. So in order for my marriage to be held, I have to first be whole. Wholeness doesn't mean perfection, my friend. Wholeness just means I'm mature and ready and knowledgeable of what is required to reach forward. So if you're looking towards her to be completed and, and, and you have made an idol of her, it's because there's some deep wound that you're trying to use her as a band-aid for, or you're trying to use her as a bomb for, or you're trying to use her as a surgery tool for, when the only one that's able to do anything to make you complete it and to make you whole, complete, lacking in nothing, is the Spirit of God, Christ's <clears throat> Spirit. So that's what I was to have you look towards first to make sure that you're not trying to make her something that she's not. Yeah. I mean, I, I would say um, know that God has something better for you and you need to trust him with that. <clears throat> if this person is not for you, then I would just, 
you know, some things don't come out by prayer and fasting. I'm not just talking about demons. I'm talking about yeah. situations, strongholds. You know, you begin to fast and to pray. But one thing is to be encouraged that Jesus Christ loves you. And that if, if he's not leading you toward this person for whatever reason, that means he has something not not that another woman is better than this woman, but another woman is better for you and you're better for them. Meaning, you, you, you know, a wife is a helpmate. You need to go to the person that has the skills to be able to help you in the calling that God has given to you. You know, for instance, an, an accountant does not hire a, a, a painter to 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 uh, do his books. Right. They don't have the skills to help them. It doesn't make any sense. Just like a painter doesn't hire an accountant to go in and, and paint. Right. Because they don't have the skills to be able to paint. So a painter hires a painter. An accountant hires an accountant. So God has something for you that is for you, that, that can help you because of what you're called to do. And so you need to be sensitive to that and say, Holy Spirit, just please help me to bring, to open up the door so that you'll bring the right one for me. And okay. I'm trusting you with my heart. So, we have yeah. a lot of great questions. We're going to get through. We're going to do rapid fire. Um, yeah, because y'all, because some of these questions, we can knock out the park real quick. And please understand right. our heart for that. Um, let's see. Did we skip as anybody? He, as he, why don't we do this? Do rapid fire. You answer. I'll answer. But not the same question. I'll just. We'll go Perfect. back. We'll go. So who's, who's going first? Back. Who's going first? You and me. You You go first. Uh, we or already talked about how, question. I don't care, whatever you we want. Already, we, uh, we already talked about I think how to she overcome was, fear. I think that person was just talking about that. Same thing there. How to, uh, okay, okay, okay. How to be how to overcome being pursued by someone in order to marry. Um, real simply, um, God did not give us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Those three things are essential, my friend. You overcome fear by understanding that you love by God. You overcome fear by understanding by power, love, uh, by power. Know that you have the power through the Holy Spirit to overcome, that you can't overcome fear in your flesh. Your flesh knows no good thing. Your flesh don't know how to overcome. And if you try to overcome fear, you're overcoming fear and arrogance when you're overcoming flesh alone. But you got to understand that God did not give us a spirit of fear, but of power. That you can't do it, that it's powerful from the spirit and love. It's something about love. The word of God says perfect love casts out all fear. When you know that you love by God, you're not afraid of anyone. When you know that you love by God, you know that God has what's best for you and a sound mind. God gave you the ability to be able to reason and process and understand the facts over the feelings so that you can overcome fear. Who cares if he's pursuing you? The enemy uses fear to make you um, bow your knee to him. He uses fear. Uh, like we did with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, he used fear, but they still didn't bow. At least you don't got no fiery furnace in front of you. This guy ain't nothing compared to no fiery furnace. So you got to know uh, what God has equipped you with through his spirit and trust and allow to be mobilized in your life. Amen. Uh, did I skip somebody? Okay. Sugar Mama says, so true. This is so powerful, refreshing. Okay. That was early on. Yeah. Uh, okay. Y'all talking about the message. Okay. I think you, go, you can go to Meg Williams, the next question. Where's Meg Williams? Oh, here we go. God right. already had a solution. Oh. Did I skip no. her? Uh, let me see where you're at. Uh, yeah, you did. Go way up where, where Sugar Mama said, one home. Go back up to where you just were on the – yes, up above that, though, the one above that. Okay. I says, never talk deceptively and don't keep company with people whose speech is corrupt. Exactly. That's what I said earlier. What's your take on this oh. scripture? No, no, that's fine. She's asking a question. All right. What's your take on the scripture on this verse and go down to the next question? Because I think she's uh -huh. asking a double question. Okay. Is this verse restricting me from being friends with certain people? Well, it's restricting you from acquainting with certain people. Absolutely. But 
Should I stop being friends with everyone who isn't feeding me spiritually? Not necessarily because God calls you to, to feed them, but you need to be careful about people who are corrupt, obviously, meaning uh, you do not want to be around people as far as buddy, buddy. You know, you have to be careful who you go around because you don't want bad company corrupts good character, right? And so when it says uh, don't keep company with people whose speech is corrupt, that's what I was talking about earlier. Be careful what you put yourself around. You cannot always help the situations that you're in because, for instance, that person may be a family member. But you have to be careful that you distance yourself whenever they begin to talk about that corrupt speech, whenever their speech begins to be corrupt uh, uh, or, or to cause fear or to cause uh, heartache and pain. Begin to distance yourself because whatever you put yourself around, eventually whatever you listen to, you're going to become. The more you listen to certain things, the more you're going to believe it and then you're going to start to act out. Whereas if you spend time with the word and you spend time with good people, like there's a reason Ezzy and I are friends versus mm -hmm. somebody else. There's an absolute reason why. Because he and I, since our days in college, have always lifted each other up back and forth. Same thing with our friend Kenny and Adam and a few other people. We have always lifted each other up. It's better to just put yourself around good people. And I'll be honest with you. When I was in college and I first got saved, those people who were who had corrupt speech and weren't acting right, eventually they walked away from me. If you're living righteous, you won't have to walk away from them. They'll walk away from you. I'm telling you because they either they're going to convert and they're going to join you or, or the devil in them is going to hate the light in you. It's going to run the other way. So that's what I would say. Just live a godly life in front of them because you may be the influence that God has there. But I wouldn't go out and make friends with people that you know are are uh, going to bring you down and all that kind of stuff. Eventually, it's the relationship is not going to go anywhere and they're going to walk away. That's good, bro. Uh, Sanko <laughs> Bishops. Hi, guys. Is it a must to be in your dad's church if you're not feeling connected with God? You got to be where God wants you to be, my friend. If exactly. following God is going to offend people and if God doesn't want you in your dad's church, um, and this is why you got to make sure you're led by God, because if God, because you got to ask of why you're not feeling connected. We don't, I'm not, I know you, I know you, so I'm not sitting there saying you're not, you naive to this, but what you have to also understand is making sure you're not, um, looking over the fence because something's green or somewhere else. And you're using, I'm not connected to God as a caveat to, uh, as permission to leave. So make sure you check your heart first. That's all I'm saying. Check your heart, make sure that you're genuine, that you're, that you're, that you did, that you deeply desire to be in God's will. If that is the foundation by which your feet is on, when it comes to what you want to do in life, you will make the right decision. And when you, I will, I don't mind offending anyone. Right. If I got God, if I'm in obedience to God, simple as that, fam. That's very good. Wendy says, it says, uh, hi, I'm currently, who is it, Whitney? Okay. Uh, hi, I'm currently a junior in college and have fear that I'm going in the wrong location and in the wrong major. Well, before I finish that, 90% of the people that major, they don't follow through with that major anyway. So that that's fine. I didn't. And uh, uh, so I don't think Etsy did either. So sometimes I feel that I am wasting my time. At the end of the day, listen, God is guiding your footsteps. He'll bless you in the way that you're going. As long as you're faithful to him and you're being open to the Holy Spirit telling you what to do, that's the most important thing. Lord, guide my footsteps. The Bible says, 
that if I acknowledge him in all my ways, mm. he will direct my paths. It's very simple. If I acknowledge him in all my ways, he's going to direct my path. Lord, show me where you want me to be, the major you want me to be in. If I have to fast and pray, I'm acknowledging you and God will guide your footsteps. So if, whenever you're making major life decisions, you should always fast. I think as you would agree with that, every major yeah. life decision, whether going to church, go, what major to pick, who to marry, um, what job to do, all that kind of stuff, you should always fast and pray. So I'll leave it at that. That's powerful, man. Um, uh oh, did my mouse just die? Oh, there we go. Okay. There we go. Uh, oh, my sister. My sister's watching. Hey, Shantae. Hey. Thank you for watching. That's family. See, starting this is my this is our last question. I see. Is there any error in posting a lot of selfies on social media if it's for your business? You just got to check your heart. Um, is are you the business? I'm just I'm not not being not sarcastic, but I'm saying, are you the business? Um, if you're just posting a selfie like some people do, and hear my heart, where they'll post a selfie of themselves and then post a scripture in the in the in the in the um whatever that they put that 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 to me. So you gotta understand you. People may be able to fool a lot of people, but you can't fool those who are real. You can't fool those who know the deal. And so real recognize real. You just got to check your heart. If you're the business, like if you wearing your clothes, you see what I'm saying? And you, like you you have a, a, um, a clothing line or something like that. So you have to take pictures of you in your garments. That's cool. But if, you're, if your looks has nothing to do with your business, then you have to ask yourself, what am I doing? Are you using your looks as a marketing tool to draw attention? I'm telling you, there's two things that are draw um, things to you. Number one, if he be lifted up, he'll draw things. Number two, excellence. And make sure you have a good product. You, uh, the greatest marketing tool is, a word, is word of mouth. It's always been. So you don't want to overly market something because you think, well, my looks will garner me more attention. No, just have, just have, just keep living godly. Keep living uh, righteously because you're the imputed righteousness of Jesus. And make sure you have a good product and you have good business and good services. And you'll be straight, my friend. But you check your own heart. You know, I don't got to tell you, you know. You know whether or not you're doing it for because the because of selfish uh, because of hurt, and you got to ask yourself: Am I doing this because I have low self-esteem? If God is esteemed in your life, and, and and you're steamrolling in that direction, my friend, then the more of you you'll show, the less of you you'll show. I'm sorry, and the more of your product and your excellence and who He is to you, the more they'll be seen. All right, so guess what time it is? Since we're at the one hour and thirty minute marker. We're going to talk about our top three sides. And my picture doesn't really do a service of what it is I'm trying to show you. Oh, uh, well, it has wine in it, so I'll go ahead and take it. <laughs> I didn't know that was, I'm just joking. Anyway, our top three sides. Maybe maybe that's uh, Martinelli. Maybe that's uh, uh, peach juice. Sanctify grape juice. All right, go ahead. That's, maybe they're doing a million. They might be doing that. All right, Jeff. We can go. Y'all can join us in the comments. I'll do. We could do our thirds and then let the audience share what their third side is. Then we share our second side and our first side. Family, we out of here. You want me to go first? All right. So I'll do. If one of us go first, I'll do my third. You do your third. And then we go to the chat. Yeah, we go. We go to the chat. They do their third. And then everybody show their third. And we go to our second. And then we go to our first. My number three, yeah, 
And I know I always break the rules <laughs> when I do this. No, it's definitely not salads. My sister told me it's salads. <laughs> salads. Salad. salad is not even in my top hundred. My well, number three is any. <laughs> my number three is any potato. This is for a holiday. Oh, for holidays? Oh, snap. Oh, this holiday stuff. Okay, so yeah. my favorite holiday potato. Because we don't have fries for holidays. You don't do that. My favorite holiday potato, mashed potatoes and gravy. We're not talking about the whip macro, uh, mashed potatoes. We're talking about the mashed potatoes with the chunks in them. I'm talking about mashed potatoes that you just... I don't want no baby mashed potatoes. I don't want a mashed potato that I swallow as soon as it's in my mouth. No, I want to be able to chew my mashed potatoes. Right. I want to enjoy my... I want to enjoy the different consistency of my mashed potatoes. So if, if I was to pick a potato for the holidays, my number three would be mashed potatoes. Man, no. Mashed potatoes cannot beat sweet potato casserole, bro. Yeah, that's hard. Sweet potato, sweet potato, anything mashed. Oh, my aunt and my mom makes the best sweet potatoes. Yeah, sweet potatoes number three. All right, so mine is similar, but mine is mashed potatoes. I do love sweet potato casserole, but being from up north, you know, I didn't have really good sweet potato casserole until I moved down south, and it's great down here. But uh, our mashed potatoes, my grandmother used to do the ones with the skins on, and then the other one did with the skin off. I actually like it with the skin on. I like it with the skin and on. My, yeah, and my mom, and so when I make my mashed potatoes, I, I do them whipped with a little bit of chunk in them, but I add uh, heavy cream, and then I add um, uh, Tony seasoning, sugar, butter, and mm. sour cream, and I mix it, and it is to die for. So, <laughs> so that's wife, what I, when I say mashed potatoes, that's what I mean. My wife, only my only my rib can say something like this. Well, Christmas breakfast, breakfast hash browns. I forgot that Christmas. I'm still thinking about Thanksgiving. I forgot about the Christmas breakfast. Oh, my yeah, bad, sis. My my sis said her number three was salad. My bad. I ain't mean it. I do love salad. It's not, it's in my top 50, not 101 like Ezzy. Yeah. But not for but not for a holiday. Not for a holiday. I, I won't I don't want salad. Maybe Whitney, like uh green bean casserole. Well, Whitney says coleslaw. I hate coleslaw with a passion. I, I hate anything it. with mayonnaise in it. Bro. All right. So my number, so that's everybody's number three. Man, yeah. I might just boost mashed potatoes up to number three. Because not everybody's sweet potato casserole. Black eyed peas. Oh man, I forgot. Yeah, I'm still sticking with mashed potatoes for mine. I'm not a black eyed peas. Black eyed peas is probably top five holiday side, maybe top seven. Okay, my number two. My number two. Mm-hmm. Dressing. That's what I. That's what I got. But I call it stuffing. So you call it dressing because you're from down south. Yeah, but you I call, call it stuffing. So here, so here's the thing. I when you said that, I want you to tell me what your ver- what stuffing is to you, or ver- or dressing is, and I'm gonna describe what stuffing is. Tell me what yours has in it, so I understand, and then I'll it de- explain. It why. depends on who's making the dressing. No, like no, but mom- for you, your, your favorite. What's your favorite? Man, I like I like dressing that has a lot of chunks in there, bro. But I'm what kind of bread about- do y'all use and everything? What what all? Don't use no- I don't know what my mom and them do. All I know so, is the fixed product. I like the dressing that's got is it, is it cornbread or no? No. Okay, good. So whenever I hear dressing down south, I hear a lot of people use like cornbread. But me, I use actual like Italian bread. I don't know what you're talking, Jeff. 
I'm not in the kitchen at the time. Okay, I don't have kids it. yet. You know what I'm saying? Is it yellow? I, no, dressing is not yellow. It's brown. Okay, what the cornbread dressing is, isn't it? Oh, my wife said it is cornbread. See, sorry. Exactly. Thank see. you, Brittany. No, that's what I was saying. So down south, they eat, they eat dressing that has cornbread. But up north, we don't use that. We use like Italian bread or like a French loaf. That's stuffing. <laughs> I think we use cornbread. That's why I use the stuffing. Yes. So we do, babe. We do. We use cornbread. Oh. So you you like dressing? I like stuffing. They're two different things. Yes. They're two okay. different stuffing. Is like on top of the stove, right? Dressings in the stove. No. So no, no, no. Stuffing's in the stove, but the difference is, I thought that if you took stuffing and you put it in the turkey, it's called stuffing. Whereas if it's outside the turkey, they call it dressing. But that's wrong. I yeah. guess. Yeah. I because I make. But I make my stuffing outside of the turkey. The same way I make it inside the turkey, but I'm saying your dressing is cornbread. My stuffing is regular white bread. See, I don't mind calling stuffing like if I'm stuffing me. That no, but I'm Oops. saying you, <laughs> I'm saying you you should call it stuffing or dressing because you you like it with uh cornbread. That's what dressing is, I believe, in the South. But yeah. up north, stuffing is where we use like Italian bread. We cut it up and then we add in chicken broth and poultry seasoning and celery and onions and tons of butter. And we cook it for like five hours in the oven and stir it every 15 minutes. And it's amazing. But yeah, it's just two different things, I think. So all I do, Jeff, I show up and eat. Yeah, I know. She That's what Brittany said. She said, you just dress eat. I, just, I just wanted to clarify because both both of us said stuffing or dressing for our number two, but it's two different things. That's it's two why. different things. And and yeah. and I, I the reason why I love dressing is because it's like a meal by itself. Dressing no, is no. probably dressing is probably the one side. I think dressing brings the plate together. Yes, I love dressing. Dressing, dressing has a way to say, "Hey, yo, macaroni and cheese." I, I know you don't want to touch the green beans. I know you don't want to touch this. But if you let me touch all y'all, if y'all let me be in the mist, mm. it brings the plate together just like sweet potato casserole does. Sweet mm. potato casserole and dressing has a way <laughs> of bringing the plate together. I think, I think the reason why that is is because uh, like mashed potatoes and stuff like that, I love it. But like you can have mashed potatoes any day of the week. That's true. And even my number one, which I'm not going to say what it is, and I know it's the exact same thing as you, but we yeah. can have that any day of the week. But rarely do you have dressing or stuffing, only on holidays, right? Like I don't have mm -hmm. it. I rarely have it like during the, you know, just on a random time. So, yeah, I think it does bring it together. I think it makes it stand out. Yeah. yeah. What's y'all's number two? What's y'all's number two? We both said dressing for our number two. Shantae Cream said dressing doesn't take five hours. Hey, Shantae, mine does because it's the best in the world. <laughs> Ooh, hey, 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 hey. Sorry. I'm <laughs> Homemade cranberry sauce with dressing. Now, I don't know about the cranberry sauce. My wife likes cranberry no, I sauce. Think that I cranberry sauce. Nope. My, my, my sauce is the sweet potato. Have casserole. you had the public sub Thanksgiving sub that has stuffing and uh, cranberry sauce and turkey and all that kind of stuff in it? Man, all I go to, all I go to Publix for is my wife's turmeric and chicken wings. I need Bro, to explore Publix more. Go and get their subs and their brownies and are the best sauces. on earth. And you need you know to get what? the go there the, and get their sub. I'm gonna get their brownies tomorrow because yes. you said the brownies is good. I I literally go to Publix just to get my wife's turmeric. Before you buy the brownies, take a picture so I know which one you got. And then I go because I don't even get turmeric for me because she takes all the turmeric. But that's 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 our that's our home's business. 
Turmeric uh, is good. What? I'm going to leave that right there because how blasphemous is that, that you yeah, would have that, that at number two. two. Now, Matt, exactly. if, you're, if you're saying that's number one, I back off. So you already exactly. know I think she- my number one side. Yep. Not is- mac and cheese. That's for the kids. Macaroni and cheese. Baked. I'm sorry. Ooh, I almost a bit disrespectful. Baked macaroni and yes. cheese. Not Baked the one that you swirl. Not the one that you get from a pot. Those are good in their timing, in their place when there's kids around. That's all that's on the stove. Yep. But when that thing come out of the oven, mm. man. Yep. My, my, your number one is collard greens, Shantae? My sister says number, her number one is collard greens. She, she said she likes salad. So you don't like macaroni and cheese? What, Shantae, tell me your top three. You said number number three, she said coleslaw? No, she said uh, greens uh-huh. is greens is maybe number six. Greens? Yeah. I mean, if the color, they have to be made right. I do love collard greens. They have to be they made right. They gotta be made right. If they're not made but right, one, they are the, uh, an abomination. But number one, hands down, is macaroni and cheese. Hands down, that, it's, not, it's not even a discussion. It will always be number one, bro. You are my brother from another mother and from another color, bro. Yeah, <laughs> it will always you. be number one. Always. always. Do, you, do you remember the macaroni and cheese when we preached in um, Montgomery that Uncle Billy took us to in that, that crack hotel or motel <clears throat> up on the hill? I can't remember, bro. Ezzy, this remember it was in a motel that looked like we were gonna die. And uh, he took yeah. us, and it was a little buffet, and they had uh, strawberry shortcake as the dessert. But they had I macaroni and grease like six remember. times. I didn't even remember strawberry shortcake. I know. I, I remember it. I remember eating a lot that day. That was the best macaroni and cheese I ever had in my life. That and Kenny's mom's mac and cheese. I don't know if you've had that, but that's amazing. My wife says collard greens and macaroni and cheese are second. They're, what? I understand. Dressing's number one. See, this is wisdom. This is wisdom right here. What's she doing? She's putting you said I you said you said I understand. <laughs> I understand. You just you just you just moonwalk out of that situation. Exactly. Just I try to moon- walk all aggressive and I say, oh no. No, moonwalk just right walk yeah. it back. Yeah. Whatever you want, babe. That's my number one too. Dress is my number <laughs> collard greens, mac and hey. cheese is my two number two. Hey. And if, number if macaroni and cheese is her number two, that means you get to eat more because it's your number one. That's right. See, Man, that's a I can have, and, and ketchup and mac and cheese. See. All right, y'all, we got to go. <laughs> I don't need <laughs> ketchup. Are they saying to- what? Anyway, we love y'all, man. Number three for me was mashed potatoes. Man, me and Jeff had the top three the same. It's exactly the same. All right, y'all, we love y'all, man. I'm tired. We love y'all, I'm man. sure Jeff is too. Yeah. And I'm hungry too. We love y'all. Love y'all. Y'all be blessed. I, I pray this podcast was a blessing to you all. Um, there's a lot of meat. There's a lot of meat in that segment that we talked about. So listen back through it and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you and allow the fruit of our fellowship of God lead you to sit with these scriptures longer because there's a lot of depth to the word of God. And um, that's all I got to say. Anything else you want to say, Jeff? Nope. That's that. I think that's great. I, I pray that y'all have uh, a blessed time till we see you in two weeks and just, you know, sometimes you have to let things marinate and just, uh, that's ooh, right. dumpling too. My and, nephew uh, said dumplings, man, a kid. Oh, your nephew said? Oh, okay. he said he like he said Lee loves dumplings. Now dumplings is now my my mom, my um wife's mom, but that's just my mom too. She makes some mean dumplings, bro. I, I like dumplings. 
I thought Shantae was saying she liked dumplings. She almost redeemed herself until she <laughs> <laughs> put the greens from the salads in the in the collard greens. But she, salad was number three. Greens was number two. Shantae, what's your number one? Did my sister say what, what her number one was? She said bye. Hold on. Let me see. Sis, oh, no. sis, what was your number? What was your number one? She'll probably, probably catch up in the macaroni and cheese. Might be. Even though I never seen her do that. No, I don't think so. Oh well. Maybe dressing. Sis. I don't know. I don't know. Oh. All right. We love y'all. Gotta go. Because I got food right, I'm waiting on. All right. Y'all have All a good one. Peace. Bye.